So that was great because we learned our new term, swallowing. It's the best description of where we've ended up. I wonder how many other people, having listened to this, would consider themselves swallowing as well. Welcome to Two Hot Wives, a podcast where two friends in open marriages explore the exciting world of unconventional sex. Hey, hotties. I'm Kat. And I'm Ams. And we're the two hot wives. So we've discovered a new term. Today we're talking about swally relationships. And if you're thinking, what, what the, the hell fuck is, is swally? swally? <laughs> well, keep listening. You wouldn't be alone. <laughs> because we're going to go into a ridiculous amount of detail. What is swally, Kat? Well, I think it's kind of a combination between swinging and polyamory. That's right? right. Although I I don't know that it's a combination as much as it is like a, a spectrum. I agree. That's because exactly the word I was thinking. I feel like we're, we might teeter back and forth, you know, on this spectrum. Some days we're feeling very swally. We're feeling very poly. Mm-hmm. Some days we're very, you know. Recreational sex is fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I think that's, I wonder how many people out there probably identify the same way. I totally agree that I don't think you need to pigeonhole yourself in just being a swinger or just yeah. being polyamorous. But but the term swally is a portmanteau term. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what is portmanteau <laughs> for, for us mere mortals? Right. Could you explain what that means? Right. It's like a suitcase <laughs> that holds two different things and also sits okay. on a carriage. I think it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's, 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 it, you squish two words together. And so it's, it's swinger and it's poly squished together. Like a mashup. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it happens to be what we, you, me, Mr. Cat, Mr. Ams kind of have think sort we of are, right? stumbled into over the years. Yeah. So that's what we'll be talking about tonight. But before we get started, Cat, what are we drinking? So we are drinking the Tennessee Peach. Mmm, delicioso. I know. It's really I really good. like this one. Uh, it's just peach schnapps, mm-hmm. Tennessee honey whiskey, and peaches mm-hmm. kind of muddled up and some lemon. Mm-hmm. And then you shake it all up, put in a couple glasses of ice, and top it with sparkling lemonade. I love it. It's light and refreshing, but I like that you used whiskey as opposed to rum or vodka because it gives that, like, this is a grown-up drink. Mm-hmm. It's not a kid's drink that we're sneaking alcohol yeah, into. Yeah, I'm trying to change it up a little bit. I like it. I, I like, like it vodka drinks, but... Yeah, I like to taste the alcohol sometimes. Right. This is good. Right. Well, vodka's like tofu. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it takes on the flavor of whatever you mix right. it with. It, it does Which is part a lot of so flavor. easy to sure. use. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But if you're a grown-ass lady, maybe you want to drink a grown-ass drink. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That works. All right. And with our cocktails. We need some hot tails.
So, Anne's, it's your turn for the hot tail. It what you is. Got? I have a super fun, but also very cerebral hot tail because <laughs> that's my thing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> we have friends who we don't get to see super often because they're very, very busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had a date with them just a week ago. They're a little bit younger than us. I would say they're probably about a decade younger okay. than us. But we already decided that doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. No, it, we're all grown-ups. That's right. And they're they're grown-up grown-ups. They right. House, they pay taxes. You know, they're they're real legit grown-ups. <laughs> they're not in college. They're not in college. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't feel like younger 20-somethings are like real grown-ups. I'm not going to sleep with them because – they're they, still figuring it they're out. They're still figuring it out. Right. And I don't want to be a mistake that they made. But this is a real adult couple. <laughs> they're just younger than us. Okay. And uh, I'm going to call them Anthony and Sophie. <laughs> How did you come up with that? It's very, um, it's very, it's very romance novel. Okay. <laughs> Names. So, what the hell? Hands. <laughs> here's the sad Have truth. I given you too much to drink? You, you probably had. You made me chug half of the drink before we started recording. Because we had to top it off. Right. No, it, the names actually, sadly, <laughs> tragically, come from Bridgerton. Of course they do. <laughs> Of course they do. I'm just a smidge obsessed yeah. with Bridgerton did right I now. Say, did I say romance novel? I meant, Net- you know, romance Netflix like, special. Fuck. Oh, no. It's worse than that, Cat. Oh. I have watched all of the Netflix series, and then I went and read Researched. all of the fucking books. Of course you did. I'm up to book six. Of course you did. Now, I watched season one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When did season two come out? It just came out recently. I watched it all. Okay. It's very good. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's everything wrong with the female sexual narrative thank you completely yes yes. but it's a lot of bullshit it's so much fun (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes you just want a good bodice ripper story do you know they do that yeah there's a fair amount of bodice ripping so i should watch it yeah for sure for sure it is netflix right it is netflix they show sex Eh, not sex it's not it's it's more like Young people getting swept away in the moment, which is total fucking bullshit. Have a conversation before you have sex. But it's really fun. Did he take her? He did. He takes her in the orangery or something ridiculous. Orangery? Which is like a fancy British term for uh, greenhouse. Okay. Is yeah. that like... Portmanteau. Portmanteau. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to look for the word. What was that word again you used? Portmanteau? It's like portmanteau. Did they... Did, <laughs> did they was she did carrying they go a on a trip with their portmanteau? That's right. She, okay. All right. All right. Okay. So Anthony and Sophie. Oh, that's right. Really sweet younger couple. And it's a great example of where Mr. Ams loves this like passionate high level of novelty. Like let's tear our clothes off. And he has that with Sophie, but me and Anthony, we connect on a cerebral level. Does he watch Bridgerton? I don't think he watches Bridgerton. <laughs> that would be too too Jazz hands. and okay. pedestrian for him. Actually, he's one of the few people, like, I'm a pretty smart person. He's one of the few people I'm like, oh, I can't bullshit on this <laughs> subject matter because he might know more about it than I do. He's he's a handsome guy, but I really love just talking with him. And every time that we've played, Mr. Ams and Sophie will like go off and play immediately. And we're not done talking yet. So we 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 talk. And uh, he's told me that I 
give off a high school girlfriend vibe, which is cool because I'm way out of high school. So Mm -hmm. I dig that. But like we started making out on the couch, which was like with our clothes on and just like dry humping on the couch. I love that. It's fun. It's nostalgic. Mm -hmm. It It is. It brings you back to those days when you weren't supposed to be doing that. Exactly. I find that super exciting, actually. It was fun. It was sexy. I think I sent something like I said something like that to Mr. Ams one time, and he's like, "Why would we want to do that? Why would we want to? Why would we want to make out with our clothes on?" I'm like, "I I don't know. Never mind." (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, and that kind of goes to show. It's really fun to explore things with a new partner mm-hmm. when your primary partner's not so into that. Right. Like I, I tried to do erogenous zone mapping with Mr. Amps once like, and he's like, yeah, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay <laughs> until you touch my dick and then it's really great. <laughs> like, okay, so this is not your thing. Cool. <laughs> oh my God. In any event, uh-huh. okay. there was music playing on the main level and then... Anthony's like, let's go upstairs. So we go upstairs to the bedroom and there's no music playing. And I kind of came to realize I have music playing always when I'm having sex now. Of course. But he didn't have the music playing and it was their house. So I I was going with the flow, but I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything about it. But what I found was I was afraid I was going to have to fill in the silence with words. So did you find that you didn't want to say anything about it, but you couldn't stop thinking about it? Where's the music? Why isn't he playing music? We should have music. There needs to be music. At first, yes, for (laughs) sure. And I was really afraid that I was going to have to do like dirty talking the whole time, which you know I hate. I know. I'm terrible at dirty talking. But he wasn't like pushing to talk. So we're having sex, like we're, we're kissing, we're taking our clothes off, and I'm just listening to the two of us breathing and how it's kind of changing as we're getting hotter and hotter into the experience. Hmm. So there's no talking at all. And I played with Anthony, I think it's three or four times. So it's not the first time that we've been together, but I didn't say anything. I just started unbuttoning his shirt and he started unbuttoning my shirt. And I'm listening to the two of us getting more excited in our breath, like, yeah. the, you know, it's it's going faster. It's starting to hitch a little bit when, you know, you accidentally t- or intentionally touch uh, different parts of, of each other's body. So we're like kissing and slowly undressing each other. Mm-hmm. And there's no sound. It's <laughs> just the sound of us breathing. But I was kind of really hot. digging it. I huh. was it felt very mindful and intentional. And do you think he did that on purpose? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's a he's a very mindful guy. We, you know, I we like spent a bunch of time talking about yoga, which I'm a big fan of. And probably in his mind, he's thinking, "Damn it, I forgot to turn on the music." Maybe he was that. That <laughs> is entirely that. possible. Shoot, <laughs> yeah, that is entirely possible. But I don't think we said a word to each other until we were way into the experience, like. That you know, can be kind of hot. It was super I hot. It. He's, you know, we're looking at each other and he's taking my clothes off and he kind of lays me out on the bed and starts going down on me. And I don't think we said anything up until then. And I'm just listening to like he's making a lot of noises, like like really into it. And a guy who's really into going down on a girl, there is That's nothing awesome. better yep. than that. So I came so hard just being really focused uh-huh. on the experience 
And we didn't exchange a word until after that had happened. And it I was like, sound really hot. It was really hot. And you know, I'm kind of tapping him on the shoulder when I'm done. And then we, <laughs> then we start talking a little you bit more. Can tell when you're done? No. And <laughs> I don't even, head off. <laughs> I don't even necessarily know when I'm done. Like, especially the orgasms that I have through cunnilingus uh-huh. are a little bit more like rolling subtle. Yeah. Okay. Like you you feel it. And there's the contractions and stuff, but it's not as like if you have like it's not like you have to stop. No, no, I get going. You know, I'm like, I might as well keep going if I'm having a good time. And then it it rolls, right? It kind of rolls and it can be great. I think it's just a gentler stimulation than like a toy or a penis. And so you can kind of keep going with it. But then eventually your body's like, nope, I need a break. And that's when I tap them on the. Tap him on the shoulder, tap him on the head, and we take a little break before we move on to something else. <laughs> oh, she's else. tapping me. What the fuck? <laughs> I guess she's done. <laughs> but I I loved, like, not having those distractions and just focusing on making, like, breath the soundtrack of the sexual experience. Well, I guess if you don't have any music. <laughs> yeah, you make do. <laughs> but I, I get it. I can see where that's really hot. It was. Like, yeah, you can't hear anything else but that breathing. That That's hot. Yeah. I really, I really liked it, and I loved that I didn't feel any pressure to fill the silence with like useless conversation. That would have been ridiculous. I would, it would have been silly, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> what would you have talked? About? I well, and this is why I'm so I mean, oh, fucking so lousy I mean, at dirty yeah. talk. It feels really you wouldn't have been able to fill that much time Mm-mm. with dirty talk. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, and especially right at the beginning, like near the end, you're getting close to like. A really hot orgasm and you, you're yes. like, don't yes. stop. I'm about to come. But that's more directive. I can be very directive. Yeah, that's in not bed. really dirty talk. That's a, hey. Okay, it's dirty talk. It sorry, is sorry. dirry talk. It is. I'm sorry. That's because right. we've learned from yes. the art of seduction and foreplay. It's all good. That dirty talk can come in many different forms, right. including directive. Okay. okay, you got it. You're good at dirty <laughs> talk. I got it. That's my form that's of dirty thing. talk. That's your thing. Yeah. No, but I loved it. And now we're talking about potentially exploring like Tantra or even some level of meditation with sex, which I'm really excited to explore. That sounds like fun. I've been wanting to go on a Tantra like retreat. Mm. That's a total like weekend thing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We should look into that. Uh I think Tantra would be a cool episode, like a cool experience to explore. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. But it takes a lot of like prep. Mm. To make that happen. I really don't know anything about Tantra beyond like references in it in Mm -hmm. pop culture. So I don't, I don't know anything about it, but it sounds cool. Like like combining yoga and sex sounds amazing. Uh So I might explore that. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So that's my hot tail. That's the whole thing? Well, we went on (laughs) to have great sex. Okay. But the part that was really interesting to me was just the beginning felt just like hearing that the oceanic well, sound of breath that. it's really hot it's really hot so did you like hook back up with mr ams and not until the very end and yeah. sophia sophie <laughs> yeah they not were her down real name just yeah. so you guys know the ams picked those names yeah they were down in the basement so we went down there thinking well maybe we would do a little you know for for Foreplay, not foreplay, F-O-U-R, foreplay, um, but they were done. <laughs> and they have little babies. So she's like, I'm going to bed. 
Um, but they're super fun, awesome people. And cool. uh, we have we have a cool, cool connection. So it was good. Cool. Yeah. All right. That's my hot tail. All right. That's pretty hot. Yeah. So let's take a little break. And when we come back, we'll talk all about Swally. Swally. So originally, this episode was going to be all about polyamory. Yeah. And then it felt like too big a topic to tackle in just one or two episodes. Well, and I think when we started to research it, we figured out where we really, uh, where we really fit in that whole, you know, spectrum of different terms. I mean, it's crazy how many different labels there Mm -hmm. are. And I found it really like, here we are sex positive, we're all open and we just, we want to explore and be ourselves. And, and now we're slapping all these labels on everything. Right. And I get it that labels are important. Negotiating different relationships and, and how we're going to relate to each other. We need those labels so that we all know what we're talking about. Yeah. But wow, there's a lot. There is. And, you know, it's particularly challenging when you're talking about a subculture that is hard to find on even the internet, right? It's, Mm -hmm. you can find information, but it's not completely consistent because it's not out in the open. It's definitely not consistent because I, I've tried, I try to listen to a lot of things. I listen to different podcasts, uh, the books. Yeah. 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 And the definitions vary a lot, especially on podcasts. Yeah. Especially when people are talking about it because their idea of polyamory and open relationships or ethical non-monogamy, it seems like they're using the terms, you know, interchangeably and they're not really the same thing. Yeah. So let's take a few minutes to define some things as we define them, because I think within the umbrella term of consensual Mm non-monogamy, there are arguably dozens of different sort of structures that people may find themselves um, that fitting into a certain category mm-hmm. or preferring a certain category. And I actually think that you can find yourself relating to more than one. Right. The sure. definitions are so strict that swally is really a great term because it's a little more fluid. Right. For sure. Yeah. So I'm going to post in the show notes a chart that I found of all of the different flavors, if you will, of non-monogamy, which include, you know, things like unicorn polyamory, relationship (laughs) anarchy. And I just want to tell you that Am showed me this this chart. Good luck. Yeah. No, I can't even. (laughs) Because it is crazy. There's so much on that chart. Yeah. And I I think it's great. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be really helpful for people to to figure out where they fit in. And and really, I'm not sure it matters where you fit in as long as you and your partners or, you know, your community are all on the same page Mm -hmm. where what label you decide to put on it is really not that big a deal. Right. Well, and this particular chart includes all forms of non-monogamy, including non-consensual non-monogamy, which is cheating. cheating. So, you know. That's good. I That shows the full spectrum of it. I like that because I think that a lot of vanilla people probably think that 
ethical non-monogamy, I think they take the word ethical right out of it and think yeah. it's just cheating or think that somehow we women have been coerced into this. Sure. We're afraid to lose our man. So we better just, you know, go along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's certainly not the case with either one of us mm-hmm. or anybody that, that we, we know. know within our community. I mean, in our community, I feel like it's the women who really are are the drivers of of this, right? Do you feel that? I think women have a lot more power, power. Mm-hmm. than they they don't always wield it, but I think men know that that women's you know <laughs> if we're not on board. It's not going to happen. At least if you have a good relationship, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if 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 the man's in charge and you're just doing what he wants, then I guess it doesn't matter. They don't care what you think. But the, I have not experienced anything like that. I haven't either. And whenever I feel like I meet a couple where they're not on the same page, you know I'm like, it. I'm out. I don't want to deal with the drama. And it's not necessarily the woman who's oh, not no, usually a it's go. The guy. It's the guy who's it's- like, I'm not into this. This is not what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, that doesn't fit the stereotype. Right. At least not the stereotype that maybe the vanilla world thinks of. Right. Because how many times when, you know, we've maybe told some friends, oh, how did you talk her into that? Right. Yep. That the has thought been is the that it's always driven by the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even if it is, because that does happen occasionally, mm-hmm. I think then a couple kind of dips their toes in the lifestyle and realizes that she has plenty of opportunities and he has less. <laughs> That's right. And so Always that power case. shift is very interesting mm-hmm. to observe. But getting back to what are all these different forms right, right. of non-monogamy? And y- we talk quite a lot about swinging culture. Mm-hmm. So I don't consider myself a swinger. I don't like the term. But I'm giving you a look right now. Because I know you are. We are swingers. Yeah. I, so here's where I feel like I mean, I'm not I a feel swinger. like I feel like, you know, oh, called swingers because we don't like the term because of what it it means to a lot of people. Sure. But we don't have to accept that definition. Well, so so bear with me for a minute. All right. Here what is what I think are the basic components of the definition of swinger. And I am not Miriam fucking Webster. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> you might be. <laughs> and, but and and I don't see anything wrong with it. It's just not how I would define myself. But I think a very committed couple, right? You don't mm-hmm. have, you're not a unicorn in a swinger. You're not a single right. guy in a swinger. A, you know, you are a married or in a committed relationship. You're seeking out sexual relationships with other people. And if there's friendship, cool. If there's, you know, some kind of uh, connection, cool. But it never leads to any sort of deeper connection. Romance is not okay. A romantic relationship with someone else is not okay. So there's plenty of- A deeper connection is not okay. It's not okay. Well, according to that definition, then I wouldn't consider myself that either. Mm -hmm. We certainly know a fair number of people in our community who identify as not seeking out any sort of romantic relationship with any of their play partners. Okay. They identify- their partners as friends. They identify the experience they have as play. That's all kind of swinger we lingo. Call it play. Yeah, for sure. And it's absolutely where Mr. Ams and I started. Mm-hmm. So when we 
explored lifestyle. We did it through the We Got a Thing podcast mm-hmm. and the Joneses, who I too. admire tremendously. And their podcast is a fantastic resource for people who are starting to consider whether or not to open their marriage. But their creed is we are social swingers, which means we play with friends, but we are emotionally monogamous to each other. Okay. And and that's how we started. That was the sort of model that we followed. I guess I thought that swinger had a broader definition than that. Well, I think if you if you start to consider romantic attachments, then you're talking about polyamory. Mm-hmm. And polyamory is someone, it's not necessarily a couple. It's someone who has multiple romantic relationships or who is part of a relationship with amorous love right many loves that's right now you're the one who's using latin (laughs) that's right well i'm smart too you're very smart (laughs) you're very smart (laughs) i'm just gonna drink more (laughs) no i get what you're saying i guess i guess my issue is like Oh, we find this word offensive now. I don't, don't, right? I don't find it offensive okay. in the slightest. Okay. I don't find it offensive I guess, in the slightest. I, I just feel like just because that's what it used to mean doesn't mean Maybe. it has to mean that now. Totally agree. And I think that we have a lot of friends in our community who would who, we use the word swinger. Sure. We do. We use the word swinger interchangeably with lifestyle. ethical non-monogamous, lifestyle, open. And I absolutely don't disparage swinger culture. I think it is not what it used to be. It is not about indiscriminate sex. It's right. not about anonymous sex. It's not about like key parties right. and wife swapping and, and all And I guess of this. that's what I'm getting at. Like I don't want to I don't want to disparage that term as sure. as meaning the same that it used to mean in the 70s. Yeah. But I do think one of the key distinctions for swinging culture versus polyamorous culture is feelings. Yes. That's really the difference. Well, big feelings, though. like romantic feelings, uh, love. I hate to use the word love because it feels threatening, right? To a primary relationship, but, you know, romantic feelings, feelings of affection beyond friendship is not part of the swinger culture. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Okay. Even the idea of social swinging, which I really credit the Joneses for using that term. term. Yeah. The idea that it's important to them to have a connection with the people that they play with, that they either are friends with those people or they could be friends with those people. I guess I feel like that's what swingers, being a swinger has become. I I think that's And maybe that's just my experience. Yeah. Because the most people that I know that consider themselves swingers do have uh, more uh, relationships with people. Yeah. Well, getting back to the idea of a spectrum. Right. We've met plenty of people who they only swing on vacation. Right. Or they only swing at a club or, you know, it's like their 20th anniversaries that they bring in like those kind of right. one time or very limited super compartmentalized idea of opening up their marriage right. that's swinging it's not the kind of swinging that we see all the time because by we, definition they're only doing it occasionally 
We only see them on vacation. Right. We only see them on vacation. <laughs> right. And I guess, you know, with where we started and where mm-hmm. we are now, it has evolved mm-hmm. quite a bit. I think that the majority opinion on swinging is that it does not involve feelings. It's not a romantic relationship. I think if you start to introduce romance, then you're talking about polyamory. I think it's helpful to like, let's define at a really general level. (laughs) What is polyamory, right? Right. It's the idea of a person having multiple romantic relationships. Love relationships. Right. Well, right. Like romantic romantic is one thing. Well, what's the difference? I feel like romantic is like the the courting, the let's let's see what we have here. Like that's more of a action. Love is a feeling. Romantic is action. Love, well, love is an action as well. I mean, love is a verb. You choose to love Mm -hmm. someone. Yeah. But it's also a a A feeling. It's a feeling. It's there or it's not there. Romantic, you know, someone can set up a very romantic evening and it goes nowhere. It doesn't mean anything to you. Sure. Just because there's chocolate covered strawberries and champagne doesn't mean I love you. No, no doubt. It's, it is stronger feelings. Feelings. And I also feel like there's an independence to it. Whereas if you're swinging, you're swinging with your partner. Okay, sure. Whereas if you're in a poly situation, you sort of explore those independent relationships more than, you know, just having sex with that other person. Well, if you look at all the different definitions of poly, some of them are closed. Sure. Where like there might be five members to a poly Mm -hmm. relationship where they're all intimate with each other and they all consider each other primary. That's right. There's no one who's Above anyone else, you love all of them equally. Yeah. So it gets really complicated. Complicated. And I mean, we haven't really gone into the the deep end of polyamory, but wow, there is a lot of complicated situations that can come up. There's a lot of different poly structures. So there's the the V, right? (laughs) Which is one One person person in a romantic relationship with two other people, and those don't have. A relationship with, with each, each other. other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what are those two people who don't have a relationship with each other called? Polyaffective. Or or metamorph. Metamors. Yeah, metamor. Um there's triads where all three people have a relationship with each other, mm-hmm. a sexual and romantic relationship. There's quads, which is a four person right. which polyamorous if we were, relationship. If we were totally polyamorous, that would, that be, would be our what death. we would be. Yeah. But we don't really consider ourselves that. No, Mm-mm. no. And relationships can be open. Like you said, they can be closed. So some people choose to have a, a quad or a polycule or whatever. And within that group, they're only having a romantic relationship with the people within that group. There are even talks about like a 20 person group Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a closed group where there are like rules to joining the group and everybody has to agree that they want you to come in and all the relationships happen within within that that 20 person group Mm -hmm. absolutely amazing complicated as hell super complicated i can't even imagine it so there is discussion in polyamorous research about relationship hierarchy Mm -hmm. but it's almost like that's frowned upon and that all relationships really should be equal i don't think everybody's that way but how can that even be reality you know i also don't think it's realistic (sighs) that you can sleep with a bunch of people and never have feelings for any of them right so they like a lot of this is um 
the ideal, the platonic ideal of these various things, I don't think is realistic. We're complicated creatures. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So so we've got polyamory on one side and we've got swinging on the other. But the four of us find ourselves in this interesting middle ground. And we had never heard the term swally before we spoke with Dr. Elizabeth Sheff, who is our subject matter expert for today's episode. Yeah. And I listened to her book, not once, but twice. Wow. That's a lot of research that she's done. Yes. She's written multiple books on polyamory, and she's written a ton of articles. She's a great authority on these different types of relationship structures and attachment Mm -hmm. structures. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was the one who told us the term swally, mm-hmm. which was actually coined by a man named Ken Haslam of the Kinsey Institute. Um, but in any event, I think we should bring Eli into the conversation to give her perspective. We're back. We are here with Dr. Elizabeth Sheff, who goes by Dr. Eli. Is that right? Yes. Wonderful. Dr. Eli is a global academic expert on polyamory and polyamorous families. Uh, She served as an expert witness, a relationship consultant, a public speaker, and an author. In fact, she's written three books. Is that right? Four. four. Oh four. my goodness, four books, uh, including the the polyamorists next door. Um, we are so grateful to have you on the show, Dr. Eli. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So, what is polyamory? Polyamory is a form of consensual non-monogamy that emphasizes emotional intimacy among more than two people. So it's different from cheating in that it is openly conducted and negotiated. So that's what they mean by consensual. Mm -hmm. Is that it's consensual for everyone involved. No one's cheating on anyone. And how does polyamory differ from other open relationships like swinging? Um, I would say polyamory is a lot more focused on emotional intimacy than swinging. Generally in swinging, there is emotional intimacy between kind of a core heterosexual couple. They may be married, they may not, but swinging is very heterosexual and very much about kind of swapping partners for sexual variety, but not developing feelings for anyone else other than your spouse or your primary partner. Whereas in polyamory, they're all about developing feelings for each other. And the emphasis is not so much on heterosexuality. Certainly there are heterosexual people who do polyamory, but there's a lot more bisexuality, especially among women. And just in general, the polyamory community in the United States is a lot more welcoming to LGBTQ folks 
than um, the swing community. Mm-hmm. Do you find there's a lot of overlap, you know, swingers who become more polyamorous? Absolutely. Yeah. There is a lot of overlap between what we talk about them as two distinct communities. There are some people like I interviewed these people one time who have been swinging with their best friends for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Me, that sounds like a long-term polyamorous relationship, but (laughs) they didn't label it as polyamory. So I'm not going to tell them, oh no, you're wrong. (laughs) On your identity, you know? So obviously if they want to call it swinging, they totally get to. Um, Some people do both swinging and polyamory. And then there is that middle ground um, that is so common even that um, there's an activist who has allowed me to use his name, Ken Haslam, who made up this word swally to describe (laughs) intersection between swinging and poly is swally. We, We talk about that quite a bit, the four of us. And we don't really consider ourselves to be poly, but... We hang out quite a bit and we care about each other and we love each other as friends, but we're not on equal footing in all four relationships as we are. We're we're definitely two married couples who hang out a lot together. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe embrace the label. I don't know. Do, do people who are poly, do they consider this to be a sexual orientation? For some of them, it, absolutely is a relational orientation, Hmm. something they can't change, something that is a fixed component of their personality. Absolutely. For other people, polyamory or other forms of consensual non-monogamy are more of a lifestyle that they can choose or not. So Hmm. it's interesting that it's both things kind of depending on who you're talking to. Right. Now, I read through like a bazillion of your posts on psychology today, and I thought we were up on the lingo, the lingo <laughs> of, of swinging and ENM and lifestyle, but there are so many terms that were new to me. And me. Yeah, definitely. And t- two of them were metamorph and polyaffective relationships. Can you tell me what those terms mean? I'll start with metamor because the people in polyamorous relationships made that word up. In fact, the polyamorous folks make up a whole bunch of words because the languages that are already existing don't really have words to describe. Like a metamor, for instance, is your partner's other partner mm-hmm. that you're not in a sexual relationship with. Um but you know them and maybe you're good friends with them. Maybe you even see them as like a brother husband or a sister wife or a co-sibling or a, you know, like a friend or something like that. Um, so they made up a name for known person who is also dating your partner rather than like mistress or something lies <laughs> sneaking and cheating. So after um, researching polyamorous relationships for years, I, I noticed that, especially when I started looking at the families, that it's not so much those multiple sexual partner 
relationships that keep the family together, but it's the non-sexual partnerships that make or break the polyamorous family. And I was like, those non-sexual partnerships are so important. They need a word too. So I made up the word polyaffective to describe those non-sexual relationships rather than polyamorous, which implies a sexual connection. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense that let's say um, there's a woman who has both a husband and a boyfriend. And if the husband and the boyfriend like each other, and let's say she gets in a fight with the husband, the boyfriend can come in and be like, it's okay, honey, you know, like you two have been together for so long, you can get over this. The boyfriend can talk to the husband. I don't like it when she does that either. Maybe the both of us should ask her to please do this other thing. Um, But if the boyfriend and the husband hate each other and she gets in a fight with the husband, then the boyfriend is going to be like, lose that asshole. He's a fucker. You You should totally break up with him. Right. So I find, I mean, there's this kind of concept that polyamorous families don't last, that the relationships aren't durable. And I would say when the metamors don't like each other, they don't last. But when the metamors have a strong relationship, that family can make it through anything. I have families in my study who've been together 50, 60, 70 years. Wow. That's way longer than most monogamous relationships last. Not that every single polyamorous relationship will last 70 years. Absolutely not. Most of any kind of relationship will not last 70 years. Mm-hmm. But And in fact, it looks to me, like the more I study this, like that first year of everyone getting together and trying to figure out how the pieces fit together and kind of figure out a comfortable group orientation with each other, that's a rough year. That's hard. But once people do it and kind of figure out how they fit together, it can be amazingly resilient, just hard to establish. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of the benefits and challenges to polyamory. We often talk on our show about the fact that that ethical non-monogamy is not for every couple. It's not for every person. Do you have some key factors that a person or a couple should be looking for in their own personality or in their relationship to determine whether polyamory is a good fit for them? I would say on a personal level, start there, that it's really kind of fun and exciting for many people when they're like, oh, I could have more than one partner. I could have you and you and you and you and him and her and all of them over there. That's like fun. It's when you think about someone you love having sex with someone else. If you can deal with that, then polyamory might be for you. That's the difficult part. The difficult part is not having multiple partners yourself. That's fun. (laughs) Yeah. I want to, but I don't want you to want want to. Exactly. And so many people, so many people want a harem, (laughs) but don't want that harem to have access to other people. And if that's you, you want your own harem. 
I would say do the work before you initiate a polyamorous relationship. Do the work to deal with your insecurities around your partner being with someone else. Because if you don't, it will come up in polyamorous relationship. It absolutely will come up. And one of the different things between polyamory and monogamy is in monogamy, when someone gets jealous, that's a signal you got to stop, you got to change, you got to do something different. This is bad and wrong. In polyamory, it means somebody's feeling insecure, somebody, maybe their boundaries are being crossed, maybe. Um, you know, jealousy isn't always to be ignored in polyamorous relationships, certainly not, but it's not always to be taken so seriously. Like, oh, that means you have to stop what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is interesting line that we're, that we're going down here, because in your book, you talk about your personal experience with um, Rick and Steve. Rick, my (laughs) ex-husband. Yes. So would you want to tell us a little bit about that and and how that all came about and what happened there? I will actually, because in part, it's so iconic mm-hmm. polyamorous relationships. Like for one thing, um, he really wanted to be polyamorous and I did not. I was super freaked out by it. And I like many monogamous people, when we hear from a partner, they want another partner we feel like my head, my first reaction was, am I too fat? (laughs) And am I bad in bed? You know, you want other people because of some lack on my part. And if I wasn't totally in love with him already, I would have been like, Ooh, I can't deal with this. So Mm -hmm. instead, I did the total intellectual thing of intellectualizing things that frightened me. So I was like, all right, I can study this and figure it out. And then it won't be so frightening. And actually, I'm not afraid of it anymore. But I also realize it doesn't work for me. Polyamory doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. When I'm in love with someone, I'm not attracted to other people. I mean, I can like look at them at afar and see, oh yeah, that's an attractive person, whatever, but I'm not drawn to them. It's almost like that slot is filled for me. Like I've only got the one slot Hmm. where people who are polyamorous by orientation, they've got multiple slots. And even if one is filled and they're happy, it doesn't mean they're unhappy with that person and want to replace them, which for a monogamous person, if I'm with someone and I start feeling attraction to other people, that means something is wrong Mm -hmm. relationship with my one partner, but it's not the way it's not that way for polyamorous people. Got it. Did you find that there were um, sort of a difference between folks who came to it early on in life before getting married and having children and all of that. And those who, who maybe got married, had kids and then decided they wanted to be polyamorous. I would think that the married folks, you know, who have already set up this life of monogamy would have a harder time making that transition because maybe not both of them want that. Absolutely. That's very clear. And I see that a lot in my relationship coaching practice, less so in my research, because the research is all about people who want to be polyamorous and have been polyamorous for decades. 
in my relationship coaching practice, I'm seeing a lot more people who've been together for a long time. One of them has wanted other partners for a long time and been suppressing it and then is finally either unable to suppress it or hears about consensual non-monogamy and is like, oh, I could do this other thing. I don't have to cheat on this person I love. Mm. I don't betray them and lie to them. This is a whole new game. And sometimes the monogam, the other partner is like, fantastic, honey, let's go. But other times the other partner is like, oh shit, you know, I didn't know you wanted that. This is freaking me out. Does this mean you don't love me? You know, like it can be very, very painful, very painful for monogamous partners whose partners they thought were monogamous this whole time comes out as like, I've actually been suppressing this big part of myself and have wanted other people this whole time and haven't allowed myself to do it. In fact, frequently that burden that the polyamorous person was feeling for years of like really suppressing themselves and not living authentically when they come out to their spouse and they're like, I'm polyamorous. I want other partners. They feel much lighter, but often the burden shifts from them to their spouse, who's like, oh, shit, I didn't know you wanted this. This whole time I trusted you. What have you been doing? You know, like I didn't now they're late from home from work. And all of a sudden I'm freaking out, you know, was kind of keeping tabs on them before. But now that they've told me this, I can't sleep at night. You know, it's really very challenging for some people. And I don't want to make it sound like it's challenging for everyone. Mm-hmm. The people who come out to their spouse and the spouse is like, rock on, honey, let's go they're not going to seek out a relationship coach. You know, they're going to go off and do their thing. So Mm -hmm. from my coaching practice, it's only the sample of people who are having a hard time around that. And do you find that there's a difference between those who want to be polyamorous and those who just want to explore like more sexual, like, like swingers? Yes, actually, I would say that because sometimes what I say to couples who have that mismatch, the non-monogamy mismatch is okay, so let's see if we can find some middle ground where it's maybe not as monogamous as the monogamous person wants, but it's not as polyamorous as the polyamorous person wants. And so sometimes swinging is that middle ground where you can have fun sex with other people, but you're not going on vacation with them. You are not establishing emotional relationships with them. You're not, you know. (laughs) hanging out with them after you finish having sex with them. And for some polyamorous people, that holds zero appeal because what they really want is that connection. In fact, some polyamorous people are not comfortable having sex until they have an emotional connection. And I would say that's not just polyamorous people. That's a lot of people in general want that emotional connection before they start having sex. For some other people, the kind of very casual sex is fine and that works okay for them. But if someone is like deeply polyamorous and not just wanting other sex partners, but wanting relationships, then swinging is not going to satisfy that. You know, on the flip side, you use the term um, 
polyphobia uh, in a lot of your writings, this idea that people are really afraid of what they don't understand and and, and afraid and somewhat hateful even of of polyamorous uh, community. Uh, I think arguably the group that has the biggest polyphobia is swingers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they are constantly afraid of catching the feels. Um, And so we encounter this a lot, you know, within the swinging community, people are like, it became a polyamorous relationship and then it ruined my marriage, right? Like everybody has a story of somebody Mm -hmm. who knows someone who like fell for a sex partner. So do you have any advice for people who feel comfortable being polysexual, but like are afraid to, uh, to death of making those more intimate connections with other people and they hold it back? Um, I would say, or one of the, one of the pieces of advice I give my clients who, if there's someone who wants just multiple sexual partners, but not necessarily the emotion. And then there's another one who is deeply monogamous and is not interested in other partners at all. I suggest the person who wants to have multiple sexual partners, see professionals, find a sex worker, have all the sex you want. And sex workers are really good at compartmentalizing. This is sex and this is emotion. You know, that's part of their job. And so, and again, that's not something everyone is comfortable with, patronizing sex workers. But I think it's a fantastic middle ground for people who are like, I want sexual variety, but I don't want emotional strings. And maybe the swing community isn't working for them for whatever reason. Like to really be in the swing community, you've got to bring your partner with you. It's very difficult unless you're a woman. Single women can come to all the swing things. They can get free. You know, (laughs) men are $500 and there's only three of them allowed. Right. So, So if you're a man and you want multiple sex partners and your female partner doesn't want to come with you to the swing setting, it's going to be very difficult to break into swinging. Very difficult. So in those cases, if what you're looking for is casual sex, Tinder, Grindr, if you're willing to have sex with men and you want casual sex, it's not that hard to find men for casual sex. It's harder to find women for casual sex. Do you find there's kind of a hybrid too? Because I, in our little relationship that we have, the four of us, I have a great affection for Mr. Ams Mm -hmm. and Ams and I have a great relationship good, good friends. And so the four of us kind of work that way, but we're not, we're not exclusive. We're not, um, we're not cohabitating We're, but we definitely go on vacations together. We go on a lot of vacations together. (laughs) We kind of giggled when you said (laughs) vacations together, we both kind of looked at each other and was like, Oh, uh -oh." but I find like, and even in our bigger community of swinging friends, I have an affection for a lot of them, but I don't, I've never considered myself to be poly. I have this primary guy that I'm crazy about. That's my husband. I'm, I'm keeping, you know, faithful if, if that's the right word to use to him, but I do have feelings and connections. Yeah. You build real connections, connections with people. What do you call that? Like, what do you call that? What, <laughs> what would you call us? I would put it back on you. I'm really hesitant to label other people sure. in part because 
people's internal experience is not always mirrored in their external world. Sometimes they want a different kind of relationship than they're having. Um, or maybe you're swally. I think, I think we're swally. Kind of intersection between swinging and polyamory where you're having mostly kind of swinging kind of sexual encounters, but emotional connection. Yeah, you could be swally. What do you think? I would yeah. put it on you to say yeah. self-definition. And ironically, so I'm going to guess that you are either like really young Gen Xers or elder millennials. You yeah, you're yeah, right. That's yeah. Right. Um, so for those folks, labels still matter to some extent, but especially the younger millennials and the Gen Z, they are really not about the labels. Right. They would concerned about what to call that because as soon as you label something you've got to like stay still in that box and a lot of the younger people are like uh-uh I'm doing my own thing I'm this today I'm gonna be something else tomorrow I was something else last week and next week who knows you know so your desire to be labeled is <laughs> a thing well what's interesting is I never thought of of it at like this before I thought we were just swingers. I thought that what we were doing was normal to all swingers and it, it didn't really matter to me. I, I I feel like we just relate the way that we do. And, and that's just natural for me and for maybe for us. Um, I don't want to speak for M's, but um, I, I never thought of it until we started doing this polyamory research, you know, kind of getting curious about the different labels because there's their labels define you know, it, it helps us to have a conversation. Yeah, it does. And for others to know what to expect of you. Sure. Right. Do you ever foresee a time when poly and uh, ethical non-monogamy folks will be sort of accepted and, and considered to be an accepted social option? Absolutely. It already is among Gen Z. Yeah. They could not care less about polyamory. Those young folks, they're like, what's the big deal? Of course, monogamy doesn't work. Why are we still talking about this? Mm. Um, You know, and a lot of millennials, totally unfazed by it. The baby boomers have their panties in a huge wad. (laughs) They are freaked out. The Gen Xers are more like, we don't know what's going on. We're so broke. We're trying not to get our house fucking foreclosed on. We can't even look up from the grindstone to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think I don't see consensual non-monogamy eclipsing or replacing serial monogamy, which is what is the most common in our society. I think that will remain a strong favorite. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like that exclusivity when they're with someone and feel very deeply about them. They want all of their attention. They don't want to have to share that person. And that I think is a lot more common than wanting multiple partners with loving them all. So while I don't see it kind of taking over and erasing monogamy, I definitely see it like it's already one of the many menu items on the whole relationship menu for Gen Z and a whole bunch of millennials. And I see that continuing and growing where people are much less 
freaked out about multiple partner relationships, but not the boomers. I don't see the boomers ever, even though they kind of invented this. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Especially the second wave of consensual non-monogamy. That was all the boomers, but it was a minority, a small subset of the boomers. And the rest of those boomers are like, Oh, that's bad. (laughs) It's a lot of pearl clutching going on. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, it's good to hear that we're all making making progress. I I don't want to recruit everybody. I just want to be able to be out and open and and relaxed about it. And not lose your job and not did from your housing. I think that's a legitimate request. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what, hopefully this helps some people kind of accept exactly who they are and what, who they love. And this has been such a fantastic interview, Dr. Eli. I, I, my mind is blown. Yeah. This is great. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed chatting with you too. So that was great because we learned our new term from Eli. Swally. Swally. And I think it's the best description of where we've kind of ended up accidentally. Wasn't what we were seeking when we started all of this. I wonder how many other people now having listened to this would consider themselves swally as well. Yeah. Especially the people that we know that we've hung out with that like in the bigger community, not just our small community, but, you know, people that we met at PCAP, people that we've met at Desire, all of these different folks who have talked to us about their communities where they are. Sure. I wonder how many of them would consider themselves to be swally. So how would you define swally? Mm. I think it's a combination uh, of swinger and polyamorous, right? I mean, I think of the four of us mm-hmm. as probably being the core swally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel that way about a lot of the people that are in our little community, right? As we get to know more and more people, as we've built this community, there are several couples that I feel like a real affection for. Right. Not just like, yeah, I want to have sex with them because they're so much fun. They are, but I also really like them as people. And the more I get to know them, the more I care about them. Sure. I care about, you know, what their life is, what, what they're doing, what they're, what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I care about them more. I mean, it, it's friendship, but it's a deeper thing than friendship. Right. I don't know. It's, it's growing for sure. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be like, you know, creating the commune where everybody comes together and we're all just going to have free sex and free love. And it's all going to be this big, happy, polyamorous cult. Yeah. Yeah. Although the idea is a little bit attractive when you think about some of the the things. But I I do feel like, you know, this little foursome that we have is special Mm -hmm. and there's Mm -hmm. this really close bond and we have this swally thing going on. But I feel like that's expanding. Yeah. Yeah, I so I do think 
that the connection that I feel obviously with the four of us is, is way more intense than friendship. Mm -hmm. But I would say there are people within our community, within the lifestyle community that I would do for them mm-hmm. way more than I, it's more like family, right? right. If, if a, a friend of mine in the lifestyle community were having an emergency and needed something, you would hop to, I would drop everything right. and help them. Right. And they would for us. As I, well. I believe that. Yeah. I really, really do believe that. I don't know if it's a, it's a fallacy within the definition of swinger that there are no feelings involved or there are no intense or romantic mm-hmm. feelings involved because I don't think that well describes how I feel yeah. about my my friends in the lifestyle. I think there is a higher level of, of affection, a higher level of connection. And I, I agree. And I, I wonder out there, like not just our community that we've built here, but other communities that we know of, I wonder how many of them would describe themselves the same in way. In the same way. Yeah. But, but on the flip side, I am married with capital yes, M. Yes, yes, me too. I don't think I would describe my relationship with Mr. Ams as my primary partner relationship. Like the idea of relationship hierarchy is not sufficient. Right. No, I, I think of Mr. Cat as my only partner, my partner partner. Right. Like, like your life partner. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I think there's this concept in polyamory that we each independently get to choose our actions in terms of romantic relationships. And Mr. Ams and I both operate from the perspective that either one of us could say to the other, I'm done. done. We can't do this anymore. And we have to respect that. And that doesn't feel poly to me. That feels more swinger. Yep. That's the the bargain that the two of us made for sure. Well, and Mr. Cat and I have had these same discussions where we are number one to Mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. And so if... There's an issue that comes up. We think of each other first. That's mm-hmm. the primary thing. And if if this isn't working out, if if one of us isn't we're all the way there with everything that we're doing, it's done. Yeah. Because our marriage to each other is the most important thing. Yeah. And that's why I think Swally is a great term because it really, I like it. It really borrows from both of these subcultures. Mm-hmm. The idea that you can be in a loving, committed relationship with someone, but also expand your family, for Mm -hmm, lack of a better term, mm -hmm. expand your community in a really deep, meaningful, affectionate, romantic way that doesn't have to threaten your marriage. Your marriage. Right. I feel the same way. Yeah. I feel like this is a conclusion and we haven't even done our homework. Well, yeah. So let's let's talk about <laughs> we sexy thought about homework. this yeah. so much. Well, so here's why I think it is valuable to do some homework because people don't like to talk about feelings. Like people in the swimmer oh, community no. do not like to talk oh, about no, feelings. That's that's the scariest thing. Yeah. Right. Although I, I think if we talk about it more, the less scary it becomes. Right. Well, here's my Because we're all scared. Yeah. Here's my theory why it seems so scary. Even though swingers have successfully separated, decoupled sex from love and and marriage, they understand that those are not the same thing. They can't decouple the idea that a romantic relationship isn't a monogamous 
relationship, that you your heart belongs to just one person. That seems to be something that most swingers don't buy into. Wait, what do you mean? So Your heart doesn't belong to one person. My heart belongs to one person. But if you love other people and yeah, other but people love you. Yeah, but love is like, I love... I love you, mm-hmm. but I'm not worried you're going to steal my heart from Mr. No. I, you know what I mean? Like we can love more than one person. It doesn't mean that we don't have that special bond and sure. love for that one person. Like we are life partners. Sure. Absolutely. I, you're saying the same thing I'm saying. Okay. But what I'm when I'm saying your heart doesn't belong to one person. I mean, think about your kids, right? Oh, of course. You love your but, kids, but, but it's a different kind. It's a different kind of love. So when I say my heart belongs to one person, I mean my neither one of us is going anywhere. Right. And I I love that I matter most to one other person. Sure. Yes. And I don't think that polyamory has to take away from that. Or maybe if that doesn't fit the definition of polyamory, then we're like breaking ground into this middle ground of Swally where nothing has to dishonor right. the marriage. Right. But you can acknowledge that love isn't reserved for just husband and wife. Right. It's like we talked about this before. I love Mr. Ams. Sure. Sure. I love you. Right. I, I love a, a lot of like a bigger number of the people in our community now because right. we've just built those relationships up. I would do just about anything for all of them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I still have my number one. Right. And and I don't even think of him as my number one. I think of him as me. Like he's part of me. He's my other half. He's my of. other half. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't, what I've observed of polyamory, that kind of tight bond that, that a monogamous husband and wife have, but mm-hmm. but swinger couples also I I have observed mm-hmm. having for the most part. Right. It doesn't feel like there's room within that poly umbrella for that type of relationship, which is why I love this middle ground, this yeah. swally, yeah. where you can be absolutely life bonded to a person and know, mm-hmm. as I've said many times, I'm gonna hit Mr. Gonna Amps put him in the, in the ground one day. <laughs> I I know you mean that very nicely. I do. I, I mean, that, you mean with that with love. love. <laughs> It's just funny to hear you say it. Yeah. So how do we explore this right. middle ground with our, our sexy homework without that's freaking a- the shit out of our friends? I know. Yeah, that's a, a little tough. I was thinking that Mr. Cat and I would just come and move in with you guys. Oh. <laughs> like you have that whole basement area. The more the merrier. I mean, I mean if we're really going to explore Polly, which was originally what we were going to do. Yeah. We weren't really talking about... Swally, swally as much until we got into the research and realized like that's what we are we're yeah, swally yeah, yeah. but when we were talking about polyamory i'm like what are we gonna do for homework oh we're just gonna have to move in <laughs> um i don't know how we're gonna break that to the kids but <laughs> actually they probably really like it i i we did that like, we've gone on vacation we, together we've well spent you a guys lot of time. lived with us we did we couch surfed <laughs> with you guys in the pandemic it was so much fun it was it was fun but it was early on yeah and feelings have grown since then. Yeah. Even. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, realistically, when you've reached this point in your life, this is something you were talking about when we weren't um, recording, that it's very hard to go back. Yeah. Like, I, 
I can't imagine sharing a kitchen <laughs> with another couple. Yeah, uh, let me just say, I can't imagine sharing a kitchen with you. No, that's fair. I have that's to fair. rearrange all your all drawers. The time. Oh my god, all the time. That's fair. There's, I'd have to be in. There's a kitchen. method to my chaos. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, but I could see if you're a twenty-something, the right. idea of building a family from multiple, like. That right. sounds kind of amazing. Because your kids, you don't have you, kids yet. Right. You can decide what family you want. And when you have kids in that kind of family, if you decide to have kids, that's what they grow that's up with. What that's what's normal yeah. to them. They don't know any different. But my kids and your kids right now, if we tried to put something together and and live as one big happy family, they'd be like, what the fuck is going on? You know, I Why actually think this? they'd accept it more They would than- because our kids are... They get along really they well. Get they get it. They they probably already suspect I, something. I suspect that they suspect. They probably be all into it. Uh, but still, most for most families, you can't just meld your families together <sighs> once they're already established. Yeah. It, it, would be, it would be a very tough hill to climb. And I'm not really sure that it's worth it. We don't financially need to like no. pool resources. And it wouldn't change that much between right. all of us. Right. So right. maybe we just get on each other's nerves. I, you know, <laughs> part, more. part of what I really like about the romantic relationships that I have with other partners is they're really uncomplicated. Right. And I don't have to worry right. about like whether or not Mr. Cat paid the phone bill or, you know, like if one of your kids played hooky at school like i can scold them or whatever but it's i don't it's not my responsibility to make sure that they showed up and and that lack of complication makes it nice it can be kind of a break right and mr cat is never going to hold your hair while you throw up oh he might (laughs) (laughs) he might but But i mean that level of like separateness makes things interesting and fun yes 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 so so how do we explore this. I I think we should talk with some of our friends who are not the four of us mm-hmm. and see if they'd be interested in going on dates. Like I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Not sex can happen because that's fun, but but exploring that polyamory kind of feelings and and yeah. fun romantic outings together as dates that don't necessarily have anything to do with sex. Right. Right. Not treat a date like an interview for whether or not you want to have sex with this person, but actually treat it as like a chance to get to know know. someone, what their Mm -hmm. interests are, the name of their childhood cat. Like Really? Well, you know, all the things that will give you their passwords for their bank account. (laughs) No, like like explore what makes them feelings. I love that shit. I love to know. You know, that's interesting because I feel like we do that. Anyway, to some degree, but maybe the part where you take sex out of the equation Mm -hmm. is a little different because we do go on, you know, dates with other couples and we do like get to know them. It's not just like, let's meet at a hotel and we're all going to strip down and just have sex. For sure. They are always like social dates where we're getting to know each other. But I feel like we get to know each other as, as a, a couple. Yeah. yeah. Like Instead a couple getting to know another couple. So taking the time to go on some solo dates, which I, I've talked to Mr. Amps before and he's yeah. okay with yeah, it. Yeah, we've talked about it too. Okay. Um, and, it, you know, it was... We've done... I mean, we've we've gone out separately. 
I've gone out separately with Mr. Cat, but I've uh, well, and I had my little role uh-huh. play. That's what I'm talking about with more. with Matt, which uh-huh. is super hot. Um, but it was it was about sex. Well, and to be fair, like the hot wifing episodes, like I went out with a single guy and I had a lot of fun. But to your point, like we weren't establishing a romantic kind of thing. Right. It was really mostly about the sex. Right. Yeah. And there's yeah, not- okay. There's nothing wrong with that, sure. but I think there are people within our community that it would be fun to explore the feelings part of that outside of just the sexual uh-huh. connection. So I feel like they're going to listen to this episode and we're just so you know, like, give us a call. <laughs> we're we're going to have to set up some dates. dates. We got to set up some we dates. We got to set up some dates. Then yeah. if this is our homework, if you want to be in on our homework, <laughs> you know, just text us, let us know, give you us know. A call. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're doing. I, I've got a couple of couples in mind that I think, because yeah. it's not just the guy, it's knowing oh, yeah. that. It's both sides. That's, that she, the woman, would be okay with exploring this space. And I think a lot of people we know are not, are okay. not going to be in that. They're in, not okay with exploring that right. space. That's cool. Well, it's and fine. the idea is that not only are you and I going to go on dates with others, but the, the guys will guys too. Guys should, yeah, they should and have that. Freedom. The interesting thing is going to be how do we feel about what dates we're going on but how do we feel about them going on dates that's a really good point that's a very good point and it's not just you know our fun but uh, how do we feel about them having fun yeah it was good for the goose Uh it's got to be good for the gander although i don't think that's totally true i think you could have a relationship where one person explores oh yeah and and the other uh, one's okay it's with in it the book. and doesn't have interest. It's in the book. Yeah. Monopoly. Mo- yes, that's right. Monopoly. Where one is monogamous yeah. and one is polyamorous. And the other one, in most cases, they could be polyamorous if they wanted to. Right. They could date other people if they wanted to, but they choose not to. Right. That's most common. Yeah. If that if that's the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think our guys are going to sign up for that. No. I, <laughs> I don't either. But I would say that for Mr. Ams and I, when I see the two different dynamics of swinging mm-hmm. versus poly, if I weren't in the relationship with Mr. Ams, I think I think I'm one of those people who identify as polyamorous being more of a sexual orientation mm-hmm. than a choice. Mm-hmm. I, you know, growing up in a big family and a very loving family, the idea of sharing a high level of affection with a lot of people it, that resonates with me. Mm-hmm. I'm married. I made vows and he gets s- choice in what I, what actions I can take or not take, but he doesn't get to control my feelings. And well, of course. Right. But if you think about like the swinger attitude that, oh, you can have sex with other people, but you can't fall in love. Yeah, but you're saying he doesn't have control over your feelings. But you've also said that if either one of you decides that this is not happening anymore, then you could pull the plug and you're done. And then that's kind of having control over it. it, At least your actions on those feelings. Right. Right. Well, and that's I think that. Just the, the bottom line in any marriage, right, mm-hmm. is is you don't get to control the other person's right. thoughts or feelings, but you do have some say over their actions. That's the that's the vow, right? Yes. That's the yeah. Um. So I've made that commitment, and I'm not going to throw over my marriage just because right. I feel like I could live this other life, right? But I, you know, and I'm married to a swinger. <laughs> 
You are married to a swinger. I am married to a swinger. And we've Wait, found are our... you saying that Mr. Ams doesn't love me? No, I know he loves you. I know he loves you, but it was reluctant. Uh-huh. You know, it was like, oh, fuck, what do I do with this? <laughs> and, uh, you know, some of that is cultural yeah. for sure. But I also think that it's not something that he would seek out necessarily right. with other. Right. It's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to figure that one out, too. Yeah. Because I'm not sure. I, I think for me, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably the way most people are. And I think hardwired. at the end of all of this, I can probably expand on that more as to why I think that. But I, I do feel like for me, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're probably right, having mm-hmm. observed it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I like, I like having the choice, and I, and I choose to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, feel feelings. I mean, I, my feeling is you feel the the way you feel. Sure. You can't help what your feelings are. They come. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. It's you're responsible for your actions. What do you do mm-hmm. with those feelings? Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like I have control. Mm-hmm. I can decide how I'm going to act on those feelings. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I have feelings. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know that I consider polyamorous for myself as an orientation, but I have feelings. Sure. And well, pre all of life stance up early on in, in our marriage, mm-hmm. I had some crushes and I'm sure that Mr. Sure. Ams had some crushes and never acted on them, but you, you feel the way you feel, right. you feel attraction. I think, you know, s- swingers lifestyle are very good at acknowledging that you feel attraction to a lot of different people, that mm-hmm. it's not like you fall in love and get married and immediately stop finding right. the, uh, you know, other people attractive. sexually attractive. Right, right. That's just not how humans are hardwired. But we're supposed to. Or we're supposed to pretend. Right. Which I think right. is why a lot of monogamous couples get in trouble. Right. And end up with affairs and, and yeah. yeah. The resentment builds. Yeah. Well, and it's also. Uh, but they can't communicate. Right. And talk about what they're feeling and not have a big fight and a big yeah. uh, argument, threatened feelings. It's not that you have to act on those feelings. You can, I I know many, many people who are very happily monogamously Mm -hmm. married, Mm -hmm. but that you have to hide something from your spouse that you might feel this way about someone else, that you might have a crush, that you might find someone sexually attractive. It doesn't have to be threatening to your marriage if you don't make it threatening to your marriage and if you're open and transparent with each other. So So tune in next time to find out how this crazy, sexy homework is going to go. I know. Right now, until then. <laughs> so that's our show. Thanks for swinging by. And don't forget, you deserve great sex. Now go get some. If you love the Two Hot Wives podcast, be sure to subscribe. And if you really love the show, rate us or give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Portmanteau. It's a portmanteau word. What does portmanteau mean? I'm sorry. I do not know what that word means. I know what... A portmanteau is a type of suitcase that holds two different things. Oh, and well, so no the wonder idea... I don't fucking know what it means. Okay, no, I agree. <laughs> it's it's a little esoteric, but it's like, um, what's the name? Like, Benefer. 
is a portmanteau. Yes. Okay. Where you take two, two different words and you, and you squish, squish them together, together to create a new portmanteau. Me- it's a portmanteau word. That's right. <laughs> or it's a mashup. You could call it a mashup if you're like a Glee fan, you know, I guess. Yeah, it's a mashup, girl. All yeah. right. All right. We do not have to use the word portmanteau. No, you can totally, you can totally use that word and I'm going to tease you. I'm going to be like, fucking Ams, what does tor- portmanteau mean? 